So this week we're going to talk about the recording artist. Um, goes by many names. Sometimes the singer-songwriter um, could be a lot of different names that we'd use. Um, the, the recording artist is sometimes a performer, of course, but it is always at least the person who is recording in the studio. And that really is the center of the entire industry, really. So the role of the artist has changed, obviously, over the years. Uh, well on early in the system, um, the recording artist was very much an entrepreneur. And let's see if this makes any sense. They would basically... Um, just be the average person who was good at music and they would get into a recording at a radio station or uh, they would get it on some other way to put it out there. As a matter of fact, radio, if you're talking about the 1920s and 30s, was uh, was key. And radio was basically what the internet is today. It was the idea of getting information out there, uh, getting the music out there for free. And it was a way of drawing, like building your audience and drawing them in and having people follow you. In fact, the royalty rates and uh, rules were very different back then uh, when they existed at all. So the idea was you just get out there and you'd, you'd play. And even earlier than that, there were people that were in uh, various entertainment roles. And But the role of the recording artist, you know, to say that this person is the singer, uh, this is the person we're going to follow around, didn't really happen until about about that period really took off. And always through the 1940s, uh, you had a lot of times you'd have songwriters that were incredible uh, songwriters, but not great uh, artists or for whatever reason. So Cole Porter, for example, one of the greatest songwriters of the 20th century, was reportedly only able to play in the key of C and A minor. Uh, all the white notes on the piano and none of the none of the sharps and flats represented by the black notes, the ebony um, notes on the uh, the keyboard and this was i believe a technical issue really if nothing else if if any of you have played keyboard then you know that you know when you're playing um as soon as you start adding sharps and flats and changing the key signatures it starts to get more complicated right so it was just basically that i've heard a recording or two of cole porter and you can hear it too and he sings and plays his own music it's very rare to get those recordings why because he was not a particularly talented singer. So it gives us a really great example. And you can think of, in more recent times, the other example, lots of recording artists who do other people's songs. Why? Because songwriting is its own art. It's its own skill. It's its own ability. And some people have talents more for performing and others have talents more for the creative, uh, the writing process, shall we say. I mean, both are creative things in a way. So it's, it's not to disparage or say one's more important than the other. That's a philosophical argument that we could have, um, which we won't right now, but we're talking about the, the artist um, and we're talking about the person recording. And for most cases these days, someone who uh, would record and also then go out there and perform. When we talk about record contracts in a little bit, recording contracts, we're going to talk about something called artistic freedom. And artists have what we call traditionally artistic freedom. So they're able to do, decide which songs go on. Uh, sorry, let me back up. They decide which songs get recorded, how they get recorded, arranged, and all of the rest of it. And that's their decision. We're going to look at the engineer and the producer's role in that and the business manager's role in that, as well as the record label's role, because all of those other things will influence that. So while we say that the artist has creative control, 
Um, we have to understand that uh, as we get into the recording contract, you'll find out that record companies have ways around that, so to speak. So for example, you may have creative control in your contract to record as a recording artist, um, 10 songs. Let's say your budget allows that and you do the 10 songs and you say, wow, here are 10 songs. We're really, we're really excited about that. They're going to go on the album. The, um, the, the songs you think are best, maybe your one or two songs, you say, oh, these will be the singles. Well, when you look at your contract, you find out the record label decides which will be released and in what order and when, if ever, they'll be released. Again, we'll get into that further, but it's an important understanding that while there is what we call creative control, it's not 100%. And it's not just that the artist can go in and do whatever they want. You know, there are all these other people that are involved and they all have a say on some level. You go in and record your 10 songs and you say, these are my two favorites. These should be the ones that we release first. The record company says, now we're going to release eight of them and we're not going to release either of those. Maybe we'll use them as what we used to call a B-side, something that we release as a, as a outtake or an extra. So being the artist, while you do have a lot of power because you're creating something, you also have to realize at the same time that it is limited and that it falls under certain channels, right? Obviously, the bigger you are as an artist, the more power you have, right? The more control you have when you're negotiating your deal with your record company, uh, when your band or rather your agent or your um, the booking agent or your manager is booking the, um, the venues, you know, and organizing that, your tour manager, what they can get away with. The more success you have, the more um, ability you have to control your own circumstances, and this is where we start talking about the, the separation between the art or rather the connection between art and commerce. If you want to be a free artist and do whatever you want and you're only going to play locally and you're going to play in your living room, right? You can In your living room, you can play anything you want. Nobody cares. It's fine, right? Total, complete control. But the minute you bring it out into the marketplace, and that means even if you bring your art into a local cafe just to play, Right? When you're doing that, you're, you're looking to be compensated for it or you're looking to play in a venue where someone else is trying to make money or not, even if you're not being paid for it. So now other people's opinions matter, right? Because they can say, no, I, I'm sorry, your music is just really bad or I don't like it. I don't want it in my cafe. I don't think my customers are going to like it. Sorry. And it's not even a, it doesn't even have to be done as an insulting way either. Although some people will be insulting no matter what, won't they? But the fact is, um, as we're talking about this, like if you're going to play in someone else's venue, you have to deal with that. If you're going to record on someone else's dime, so to speak, if you're going to record on in someone else's studio and, and you're not footing the bill, you know, or if you want people to buy it, it's got to be good. And it's got to be things that people like. And that's another issue, isn't it? There's a lot of creative stuff out there that no one will ever hear. A lot of great songs, a lot of great books, independent films, things that just don't take off for whatever reason. They don't get the exposure they need. They don't fit the times that people are listening to. They don't fit the tastes that are current. Whatever it is, you know, there's, there's things that will be successful on that realm and that won't. As an artist, you have to be aware that that's the case. Beethoven, years ago, when, when he was starting to rise to some popularity... People weren't really understanding his music. He was a groundbreaker. He changed things so much, according to uh, what, if you and if you take um, if you take the music appreciation or music history classes, you'll see 
what we call the classical period, Mozart, Haydn, and some of the other European composers, and we're talking about Western music here, they all had a certain style. Beethoven came in and ushered in what we call the Romantic era, right? Um, not that it was romantic necessarily from a, a standpoint of being shipped. It was romantic as in they, they meant a, a focus on emotions rather than um, rather than reason and logic. And, and this is a conversation you're probably having in those type of courses. But he changed things. And he said to himself, he said to when people asked him, well, what are you doing? And people aren't going to your shows. They're not going to your concerts. He said, I'm really not writing for now. I'm writing for a future time. For Beethoven, fortunately, that future time was, was pretty close. Within his lifetime, people started really appreciating it. Beethoven is the only classical composer that we know from his time to today. Other composers like um, Mozart, Haydn, I mentioned Vivaldi, Bach, all of them had um, so some success in their day and then kind of disappeared for a while before we realized where they were um, and before they got a, a renaissance of types later on. So if you don't fit the fashion of the day, if you don't fit what it is people want as the artist, then you're not going to be successful on that level, on that commercial level. And it's frustrating for a lot of artists because some artists, look, if you're a recording artist, you're, you've dedicated music you know, your whole life, right? You spent hours a day practicing for years to get good at what you do, most likely. And then you've gone and started learning some of the business stuff, right? So to see quote-unquote stuff, right? Yeah, because you need to learn that to be successful and have a career. And that's one of the reasons we started the class, to begin you on that journey if you're a musician, right? That was one of the ways we, we started the class. We also did it for people that are business majors. Obviously, we've talked about this, where you're business majors and you want to see all these cool things you're studying in business in like this really dynamic industry. So that's cool too. Or you can just be interested and you're not a major in either of those areas. But for musicians, you do need to learn some of that. So you can be successful. And so it can be very frustrating, right? The biggest complaint I heard from artists um, who do any kind of performing, local, national, whatever, and this is prior to COVID, the biggest complaint I heard is it's hard to get people to come to shows. And if you've been playing, you know that. And it's even worse with COVID. One of the good things, there are not very many good things about the pandemic, but one of the good things that's come from it that's been forced to, to be created from it is that we're better at online things now, aren't we? Musicians can stream work. We can do online classes. We did before. We did both of those things, but I think the pandemic forced us to get better at it. So none of those are still perfect. And as people want to go to shows in person, as things open up more and more, um, people want to do that. And they don't want to just stream and you realize, oh, it's really great to be able to stream. That's a cool thing. But I also want to do, I also want a chance to go out and see people because there's something about being in that space. There are still tours being canceled, believe it or not. Yes, of course. We know that. There are still changes. There are individual shows that are canceled. But there are more than there were. And as those things offer, if they're open up, uh, as they open, as they continue to open up, you'll see more and more of people um, choosing to do that. The last thing I want to have you keep in mind as we talk about the artist is that um, it's not an easy life, right? And you know that. But I don't think we realize because we, we put this like glamour on it, right? It's so awesome. It's so like incredible when someone's an artist or an actor or a famous writer or whatever it is that they do. 
we we put this we kind of make them into like these little deities or something, you know. <laughs> they're not, they're just people. And it's a very hard life. And it's actually very hard when you have any kind of success. Um, and this I get from people I've talked to. And even when I was a DJ, it was like, people treat you differently. It's weird, right? When you get any level of success, even if it's local, right? And some of you have seen this. People treat you differently in a good way. Other times it's a bad way. There's this attitude like if you were good enough to be famous, you'd already be famous. And it's really unfortunate because there's so many, so many um great talents out there, people that, that work really hard and, and are successful on some level and, and deserve to be heard. So when you're aware of that, also be aware of the fact that people want to hear from you. They want replies, right? Some social media platforms require it more than others. So if you're using Twitter, people expect you to reply right away. And that's that can be a good thing in that you get to have a lot of contact, but it's a bad thing because it uses up a lot of your time, obviously, right? Those platforms that do that. Um, Insta is not as much. TikTok, not as much in some ways, but in other ways, as we, we look at the, these different platforms, like the requirements, the social expectations of people who use them are going to be different, right? Years ago, not that many even, you could put up a Facebook and you can still do it. If you have a Facebook page, you can put up a post about, hey, I got the show coming up next week. Here's the schedule. Or, hey, I recorded something for you. Check it out. That's fine. If you post once a week or once a month, who cares, right? It's like, oh, that's cool. But people who use Twitter expect an immediate answer, don't they? And you've got to freshen the contact up on Insta and, uh, tw- and TikTok a lot. So we're going to talk about these platforms a little later. But I want you to be aware that like, it eats up a lot of time. And the last part of this that you need to be aware of, and I know you are, artists get canceled. Artists get canceled for things they said years ago. Now, whether that's right or wrong is a whole nother conversation. I'm thinking about Cave Town recently who got canceled for something that, um, that he used when he t- tweeted or rather, yeah, I think it was a Twitter. I'm pretty sure it was Twitter when he was 14. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be canceled for something I did when I was 14. <laughs> and that's hard, right? Now, whether that particular case deserves canceling or not, I'm not getting into because it's not mine. But just the fact that you're 14 and things follow you. There used to be an expression, diamonds are forever. Well, actually, it's not true, but the internet is. So as an artist, you've got to be aware of what you type every single time. It's going to be scrutinized years later. It's a hard life in a lot of ways. Having said that, people still want to do it. (laughs) So I would say that if you're the one interested in it, continue to study, continue to walk along. And if you're just kind of interested in following it, um, we're going to look at our particular favorite artist this week. I'm going to ask you to do that in the discussion board. Who's your favorite artist? Why do you like them? What is it about them? We're going to talk about that side of it, and then we'll look at you know what makes them financially or uh, successful in a, in a business sense. But first, we're going to ask you about what is it that's important to you as an artist uh, or, or an artist that you like? You may not know. You may not have really thought about it much. You just like this artist or don't like that artist. I'm going to ask you to dig a little deeper this week and... And spend some time thinking about that. And I really think this will help us as we go forward with the class to really better understand these people um, that, that do this work. And they are people. Um, and what it is that the artist role really is. <laughs>